follows Christ based on the place that we just go and attend. Uh, if you sit down at length and even talk to somebody about their spiritual journey, I might say to them, hey, tell me about your walk with God. And they would say, oh, well, you know, 10 years ago, we used to go to this church and then some stuff happened. And then we moved over to this church and they begin to describe to me all of their churches that they attended instead of all of their personal relationship engagements that they had with God. Are you tracking with me? Which is so bizarre because if you were to look at the New Testament and see that the the way that things worked when Jesus walked and was leading us, very little of what we see in the New Testament took place in a synagogue or in a temple or in the church. It took place among each other and interaction and the way that we were moving and walking. We weren't just attenders. We were people connected and engaged and moving and being a part of something. And uh, Rob Bell, I know a lot of people have different feelings about Rob Bell. He was a pastor. He used to be in Granville. And, um, and there's a lot of different opinions that you probably should have about some of his teachings. But one of the things that always stuck out so much to me was he had this teaching. Uh, I think it ended up being a book or a, a DVD teaching. But uh, he taught us this idea that everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. In the Christian walk, we go like, oh, here's my spiritual life. We might say to somebody, hey, how's your spiritual life? And you would begin to answer your spiritual life. Okay, as if there's like an everyday life. And it's like, oh, this is my regular life. This is my spiritual life. As a matter of fact, he would teach us that if you were to walk up to, some, to Jesus and say, hey, tell me about your spiritual life. He'd be like, spiritual life? What do you mean? Everything is spiritual. Every single decision we make has a spiritual impact and influence in in our kids' lives, our lives, our financial life. Everything is spiritual. And so this idea of like, oh, no, 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 I'm a Christ follower. I spectate at Vertical Church. Like, no, everything is spiritual. Every decision we make is spiritual. And that's not a burden something. That is a blessing. Like God has said, hey, when you do things my way, when you follow my instructions, there's promise and blessing that follows. Amen. Everybody always says to me, man, bro, how can you be a pastor? How can you be so involved in the church and be such a thing? And there's so many rules with Christianity. But the reality is there's more promises for your life in Scripture than there is rules. And the rules are loving rules. I, I explain it this way all the time. If you were to come over to my house and house sit, okay, like, hey, I need you to watch the house. And I would be like, look. Uh, you can have whatever you want. You know, the cupboards are full. The refrigerator's full. Uh, you're not going to want to eat any of Jess's food because it's all organic, nasty, weird stuff. But I got good food here. You can have some good things. Have whatever you want, except for, except for that jar in there that's labeled cyanide. It's got a skull and crossbones on it. Whatever you do, like, just don't eat the cyanide. Would I be an angry, unloving, rule-bearing person? No, I'd be loving. I would be like, hey, do all of these other things, but don't do that. Because if you do that, that's going to be bad for you. That's Jesus. That's God's heart toward us. Is like, hey, um, there's all of these promises and blessings and way to live. And Jesus came and modeled them for us. And he said, hey, do it this way. Don't do it that way. Don't, don't compromise over that. Don't, don't, don't get into those things because those things won't be good for you. Are you with me? So we just say, I don't know that I understand all this. Stuff. No, God is for you. And so we have to be in this relationship, this connection. God has more for us. I... Uh, but we have this idea of like, oh, how, tell, me about your, tell me about your life as a Christian. Well, I go to vertical church or, oh, I go to, and that is, God has called us to much more. It's like this. Uh, you, many of you know I'm back into golf. I started golfing again. And uh, so I'd be saying like, oh, I golf. I'm a golfer. Like I golf and uh, I, I enjoy golfing now. And so you might be like, oh, so like how's golf going? I'd be like, oh, man, it's great. I, I get up there to Crestview or Winding Creek. I, I just, I get out there, you know, every week I just show up there at the golf course. Well, how are you playing? Oh, I, you know, I haven't got the clubs out or anything. I'm just there. I'm just there watching everybody else. 
It's, it's such a great time. We go up there a few hours a week. You know, we just watch every. Well, how's that back nine play there at the? Well, I don't know. I mean, it looks tough. A lot. I'm watching a lot of other people do that, but uh, but I, yeah, I haven't got these clubs out of anything. That would be a ridiculous way to live. I wouldn't be a golfer. And many of us are doing like the same thing with God. Like we got our Bible, we get dressed up to go to church, we put on all the things, and we watch other people live out Christian living. Monday through Friday, we're like, oh, I love God, and we got our stuff, but when it comes out to the thing, we're just attending. We're just walking around the course of life. Are you with me today? And I want us to be more than participation Christian people. I I don't want us to be like, here's your trophy because you showed up. I want us to be engaged in all that God has for us. Amen. Tommy Barnett is an incredible pastor. I think he's pastored for about 50 years um, in Phoenix First Assemblies of God. Um, and he uh, has helped launch the Dream Center in Los Angeles. His son, Matthew Barnett, runs it. And um, it's taken off all over the country. Um, incredible ministry. He wrote a book and preached a sermon, uh, or he shared this analogy in his book, but also preaches a very famous sermons that a lot of other pastors um, take and use, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my liberty to use some of his thoughts today. But he gives us this explanation of this idea, and the title of his sermon is called Ascending with God. Ascending with God, walking, climbing, going, and growing with God. And uh, I want to take a look at it. He starts his idea from, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase this for you, but Psalm 24, verse 3, uh, there's this uh, question that's given. It says, who may ascend unto the hill of the Lord? And then there's explanations given about those with clean hands and pure hearts. And there's some verbiage given there. But then it says this, if you are those things, it says, he shall receive blessing from the Lord. The one who ascends into the hill or to the mountain of the Lord, the one who goes after God, the one who's a climber and ascender to the things of God, there's a blessing for you in the mountaintop. There's a blessing for you if you're a person who's willing to climb. We all know this, that our walk with God is a climb. And what we need to realize is that that climb is full of challenges and obstacles and it takes grit. But we've been sold in the American church. Come here and pray this prayer and God's going to bless you and give you a new car and your kids are going to all... And then all of a sudden you get into it and you realize, wait a minute, this ascending into the hill, the mountain that God has for me, this is hard. And and people talk about me and people hurt my feelings and people betray me and back. Anybody ever experienced any of those things? And people judge me and people take shots at me. Oh, wait a second. This isn't as cute and happy and and, and, and as what I thought it was going to be because it takes grit. But the question was, who can do it? Who will do it? It's climbers. It's climbers. It's those willing to ascend into what God has for them. Why? Because there's blessing on the mountaintop for all of us. You got to remember, whenever anything was put in Scripture, the Jewish mindset would look at that and they would think, okay, what's really trying to be said here? Nothing really just happened. Like, whoa, look at that. That was kind of weird. They were like, no, let's look at that. What's God trying to say in this? What is this picture teaching us? And so we see in Scripture many times God uses somebody who ascended a mountain or ascended a hill, and then blessing was discovered there for them. We see Moses climbs Mount Sinai, and the Ten Commandments are given for him. So the Jewish mindset would have been like, what what is this picture trying to teach us? Well, it's trying to teach us that there's a climb, there's an ascension, there's a going after the blessing where we refuse to lose that matters. Are you with me today? We see the same thing with Elijah. He, he climbed, he ascended, and he prayed on Mount Carmel. And the scripture says that fire fell. Well, what are we learning here? That there's, there's a grit, there's a grind, there's a going after God. That's why it says that we go from glory to glory and faith to faith. We keep pursuing. It would have meant a lot. Peter, James, and John, the Mount of Transfiguration, how I many you know they climbed and they saw the glory of God? 
So in their mind, they continue to understand that as you pursue and you go after and you keep climbing and going after the things of God, there's blessings on the mountaintop for us. Our mountaintops have purposes and we have to keep climbing. I know many people say, I don't know, Pastor Josh, like the time that we're living in, the things that are going on, maybe it's too hard. Maybe we ought to just shrink back and hold back. I'm here to challenge you. It's actually the opposite. You were born for such a time with this and it's time to go. Amen. This are, these are our mountains to take. So there's three types of ascenders or mountain climbers that I want to describe to you today. And the first one is this. It's the quitters. It's the quitters. It's those that have the idea, you know what, I'm going to ascend this mountain. I'm going to go after God for all that he has for me. Maybe God convicted you on something. And you go, you know what, this is it. This right here is a line in the sand. I'm no longer going to do this. And you start to ascend that mountain. And then you quit. It gets too hard. Something else happens. There's a bump in the road and you, you justify why it's a good idea to, to go back to the way that it used to be. God's not calling. God's not looking for quitters. He's looking for us to stick with it and ascend. Can I get an amen? amen? There's the old saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. It's time for Christians to get going. Can I get an amen? I hope it's not said about us that when the going gets tough, the quitters get gone. We just take off when things get hard. You know, they call these times trying times. Oh, we're in some real trying times. Why do they call them trying times? Because we just got to keep trying. We got to just keep getting after it. We just got to keep our hand to the plow. That's why that scripture says you keep your hand to the plow and you don't look back. Why? Because there is a harvest for those who don't give up. Not a participation trophy, a harvest for those that stick with it and don't give up. Pastor, everybody says to me, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't like that. You said this. You said that. I don't like that. Now I'm going to quit. And they back out on something because they don't like the truth of the scripture. That never happens here, but if it ever did. <laughs> well, I just feel like, you know, the way that you said that was really judgy. I'm like, well, it's the Bible. <laughs> the favorite part with the cancel culture people is uh, I feel like the people, maybe this happens to me. The people who are the most against cancel culture are the people who keep canceling me and unfriending me. I'm like, how did I get unfriended by you? I thought you were the ultimate, like, don't cancel people. And then I'm always, and I, and I miss those people, you know? So Sister Bucket Mouth, if you're watching, I wish you would come home and give me a hard time, you know? I miss you. I'm just kidding. But we say, oh, first little bump in the road. Ah, oh, first little thing. I quit. Oh, I'm going somewhere else. You know, and you move on to the next thing and you move on to the next thing. But we mask it. We hide it in some big spiritual. Really, it's bitterness. It's our excuses, whatever it is, our resistance to change. God's, God's calling you to change. God's calling you to take that next step. And like, ah, I don't like that. I need to go do something else. Because, and then we quit. We put some big spiritual term on it. But what happens is when we're quitters, we're back out people, opt out people, fall out people, and then you end up being miss out on God people. We have got to stick with some things. We've got to be people who follow through and stick with it and keep our hand to the plow. Not, not just because God's called us to, but the world needs us to. It's a world full of hurting people who need you to ascend the mountain and bring them back blessing. Are you with me? We had this lady in the church, and oh my gosh, she was almost comical to watch because um, she was always spoken to by God. She's not here anymore, so don't try to figure out who it is. But it was very early on in our church, very early days. 
And she would always, Pastor, I need to meet with you right away. It was so urgent. Oh, I need to get a meeting right away. I've got to get there right away. Uh, God has shown me. And always just this big, extravagant, like 777 angels came with, you know, to my house and all this. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And I believe in that kind of stuff. But every time it was this big, dramatic encounter that God has called her to. And she wanted to preach and she wanted to do all this stuff. And I'm for all that kind of stuff. But I said, okay, all right, God's got all this stuff. He wants me to do this. And I said, all right. Start right here. You do this. We believe in faithful and little. God will make you ruler of much. Amen. All right, start right here. Let's do this with your whole heart. And you wouldn't believe it, but she couldn't stick with it. She wouldn't even start with the basics. She wouldn't even be faithful in the little. And so then she'd get frustrated. She'd become a quitter that we asked her to say this, so she'd become a quitter. And then all of a sudden, the next month, Pastor, I got to meet with you. I got to meet with God spoke to me. And I'm like, that's weird because like a month ago, he told you something else. He must really be schizophrenic, God. I didn't realize that he had every time this big thing, big encounter. Okay, 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 let's do this. Let's start here. And then quit and quit and quit and never, ever got anywhere. Why? Because she couldn't just stick with something. Am I making sense today? The second kind of person that we need to, need to watch out for, I think there's a lot of people in the quitting camp, but I think the, the, this is where I see the majority in the church is what I would consider camping people. Uh, they say in climbing and mountain climbing, this is actually the majority in mountain climbing as well. What happens is people get into it and they do the research, they buy all the stuff and they get started going up the mountain. And then all of a sudden they realize like, whoa, this is a lot different than how I thought it was going to be. Wait a second. This isn't how YouTube showed it. I watched a YouTube video once and this isn't how they. And so what they do is they get to a place in a mountain climb called a plateau and they say, oh, you know what? This looks pretty good. You know what? This looks pretty comfortable. You know what? I actually kind of like the views from here. So they start and then they settle. Am I preaching to the church today? They start out strong. They start out on fire. And then they get to a place that gets pretty comfortable. You know what? This is all right. Maybe we should. Yeah, you know what? This is not that bad. We should just set up here. This is good enough. Start to use this verbiage of like, you know what? This is good enough. This is a good, good place for me. They get satisfied with complacency. They call it good enough. I remember as a youth pastor, the thing that drove me the most crazy about teenagers. Let me give you two confessions, actually. First one was this. When I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't wait to finally be an adult pastor. Now, I love young people. Some of our students are in here, and I still go to youth group here. They're really, truly a lot more fun than you are. And um, (laughs) so it's not like I was excited to get away from them, but I was just excited for the part where, okay, cool, I'm going to be working with adults. Surely adults are not going to walk in as much nonsense as these teenagers. Surely adults have a lot more wisdom and rationale than these teenagers. You know, so like when I give them advice and counsel and stuff, they're going to like follow through on it. You figure out how it goes. But so that was one eye-opening thing. Secondly uh, was this. I'm working with teenagers. I'm like, okay. They get in trouble, they mess up, they do some things, and, and so the parents say, hey, pastor, will you meet with the kids? And so, oh, yeah, yeah. So we get to meeting, and, and I say, hey, what's going on? What's the thing? And, and I start telling man, you know better than that. What are you doing messing up like that? You know better than that. This isn't you. Why are you doing that kind of stuff? Every single one of them would say, well, at least I'm not doing like so-and-so. <laughs> and they always point to the lower bar. They always go like, no, no, I'm here, but at least I'm not there. They're campers. Say, well, I've got to here, and I'm comfortable with it, and I'm settled with it, and I'm okay with it. I'm not where I used to be, and I'm here, but I'm over here saying, yeah, but guys, you got a mountaintop blessing waiting for you. 
And so many Christians go, yeah, I'm saved. I'm not where I used to be. God delivered me. And I like the views from where I'm at right here, but I'm sitting here saying, yeah, but there's so much more there. We got to keep climbing. We got to keep going after God. Is anybody with me today? We got to keep going after it Uh, in our marriages, in our parenting, in the way that we serve our church. People get saved. I love when people first get saved. They come into the church. They say, oh, we love this church so much. Can I serve? Put me anywhere. I want to serve. I just want to give back to what God has done in my life. And then the older you get in church, the older you start walking with God, then all of a sudden you have this mindset like, ah, maybe every once in a while we can serve. You know, definitely not in summer. Uh, Maybe we should block out the whole summer. It's fine. We don't need all your help in the summer. The devil takes vacation in summer too, so we'll be fine. Got a room full of additional seating. Half my volunteers blocked out all the summer. If that's you, I am talking about you. <laughs> my staff owes me lunch for that, by the way. Um, and so we walk with the Lord, and we, you know, we're walking with God, and we, we got this servant's heart. We want to do anything. But then all of a sudden, we, we get up the mountain a little bit, and we just get real comfortable. You know, you know what? I've done my time. I've done my thing. And we, we love camping out at the plateau. We can't let ourselves plateau with God. Amen? The reality about the plateau, the reality about that place is the reason they stay there. The reason they set up there is because it's comfortable and they have everything under control there. They're, they're grinding. They're climbing. All of a sudden, they have a wind that they didn't think they'd have. They're, there's, their feet hurt like they didn't think. There's a, something's going on. And all of a sudden, they go, you know what? This spot looks good. I can control this, and this is comfortable to me. And we do the same thing with God. We say, I'm going to stay right here with my relationship with God. Why? Because I can control it, and I feel comfortable in it. Everything's under my control. Now, I do need to make this confession about campers. you got to watch out for camping people. How many people camp? Who's campers in here? Raise your hand. Where's my weird people? See, you guys were hesitant because you were like, no, and like, I don't want to admit to this because I feel like he's going to, because you know camping people are weird. And you got to watch out for camping people. We are camping people. But I didn't know how weird camping people were until you really get into it. One thing you'll see camping people do is they'll try to pull you into their cult. Like if somebody says to you, like, uh, they'll say to us, like, uh, oh, you guys camp? And we're like, yeah, you guys should camp with us. We got this. And right away, you start trying to pull people into camping. I don't know why we do it. But it's like, yeah, you should camp with us, too. The whole thing is really messed up. You buy this camper, and you got this house that you're paying for. It's full of much better amenities than your trailer. I got an idea. Let's burn vacation to haul this thing that we're paying for or paid off while we're also paying for a house, maybe. And you, and, and you haul it all the way somewhere else and you sleep with much less amenities. And we're like, that was worth it. That was a good way to spend my time off. This is where I knew camping was crazy. You get into all this stuff, you don't know this stuff. There's this thing called the black tank on your camper. It's where all your bathroom stuff goes. So you use the bathroom, flows into this holding tank called the black tank. And if you're camping for a while, that tank eventually fills. You need to do something with it. But because camping people are crazy, it's like not even an issue for them to do what I'm about to describe. You get this tank, this, mo- this traveling tank. It has wheels on it, has a hose connected to it. And you literally take this tank and you hook it up to your camper. You pull a valve in all of your black water, they call it. It's not black. You can imagine the color. Goes into this container. Totally normal. People all over the campground, like pulling the cart around, like, oh, he's going to go empty. And then morning, you wake up, you see, so then you take this thing after you filled it, and you hook it on the ball of your truck, and you then drive that thing, because it has wheels, over to the dump station, the campground. So you're sitting there in the morning, waking up, drinking your coffee, and trucks are driving by with their tank connected. We're like, morning. 
good luck with the haul. And if it's your day to dump, then you are in that line and you get up to the dump tank hall and there's like a line of people dumping and you're like, hey, how much you got in there today? You know, like just, <laughs> and it's totally normal. It's totally, because camping people are messed up and they try to pull you into the cult. And I do want to warn you about camping Christians. They are the same way. They will try to pull you down into their crazy. They see you ascending. They see you climbing. They see you going after God. And they say, oh my gosh, you're, you're serving that much? Why don't you come over here to the plateau? Why, why are you serving that much? Why do you give that much? Why, why you, oh my gosh, you go to every Saturday morning prayer? Oh my gosh, you, you, stop all that ascending. Just come over here to the plateau where it's comfortable and cozy and stay for a while. You understand what I'm talking about? So watch out for those camping Christians because they'll try to pull you back down. The third person is the person we want to be, which is the climber. And I wrote it down like this, the climber, the ascender, those going after God for the mountaintop blessing. There are people who say no to the plateau. Uh, I think we all should get that tattoo and see it every day. We say no to the plateau of, now I'm comfortable here. God says, I need you hot or cold, but I, but I can't have you in the middle. You can't be lukewarm. You can't be a plateau person. Make up your mind which one you are. Because we need to be a people who say no to the plateau. Jacob said no to the plateau. He said, I will not stop wrestling you until you bless me. I'm not going to take a break. I'm not going to call the time out. We're, we're going to wrestle this thing until I inherit the blessing that God has for me. What's interesting about climbers is they prepare themselves for the things that go wrong on the climb. Christians, we think, all right, God told me, and I got a scripture. He said that God's promises for me are good. He's going to give me a future and hope, and everything's going to be perfect. And then all of a sudden, something goes wrong, and we go, where's God? He doesn't love me. Oh, God. And we freak out. But what's interesting about the climbers that make it is they prepare. Uh, A couple things they prepare for is they prepare for things to go wrong. They have repair kits with them. For when their shoes break or something tears, they can sew it back together and they can repair. Meaning when the plans break, they can put it back together. Do you know that that's why God gave you his scripture? So that when the things in our lives break and fall apart and come apart, he's like, oh, don't worry, I got something for that. Let's put this back together. Why? Because we're not going to quit. We're not going to camp. We're going to climb. And we're going to put this back together. Another thing that they prepare for is they prepare for injury. They have things in there for when they get blisters and when their lips chap and all the other things that go on. When you're ascending to the mountaintop blessing, they're prepared for injuries. I hate to tell you this, but when you're walking with God, you should be prepared for some injuries. God prunes us and he removes things from our life. And sometimes it doesn't always feel good. And then we go, oh, I'm hurt. I'm out. I'm hurt. I'm going to be a camper now. I'm going to be a quitter now because I got hurt. Instead of being like an ascender and saying, oh, I got an injury. But God gave me something that I can treat it and I can fix it and I can keep ascending. Are you with me today? So we put it back together. And Look, I realize that there are a lot of churches out there that are doing it wrong. And there are leaders in positions that are hurting people. And, 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 and we need to pray against that. But if every single time we get hurt, we stay out of the game, the enemy wins. I'm hurt. I'm out. Then the enemy advances. I was having lunch with somebody a couple weeks ago who went through a pretty dysfunctional situation in a church. And he was saying, man, I think I'm out. I'm done. I'm going to do something else. And I said, bro, don't lead me to the wolves. If all the good guys go out, then the bad guys win. 
And so we, we, we've got to stay in the game. Don't let a hurt hold you back. Don't let a hurt keep you out from what God's called you to. Amen? So we keep climbing. You're equipped to handle this. That's why Jesus said to us, hey, look, in this life, you're going to have trials. He promised, I mean, it's, it's literally, he's given us the truth. You're going to have trials. We're going to have things that go wrong. But he says, I've overcome them all. Uh, I've said this before. You'll never see an unscarred champion. You don't make it to the top. Some of you all watched the UFC fights last night. Cauliflower ears, all their eyebrows are in different places because they've been busted up in the face so much. Why? Because you don't get to the top without some, some punches. So God says, oh, he's prepared your hands for war because we got to get after it. Uh, and uh, Pastor Tommy Barnett gives this great quote. He says, climbers know a bend in the road is not an end in the road. Well, wait a minute. I thought God said he was going to do it this way. And it was supposed to go like this. And all of a sudden there's a tree down or there's a bend in the road. And I got to go this way. I better quit. I better camp. I better stop. No, we know that a bend in the road is not an end in the road. We keep following God. So the three antidotes to this, and they'll go quickly, are this. Uh, Here's our antidote to quitting. We just quit quitting. We got to be a people who quit quitting. Here's my fear. Uh, If we keep allowing people to quit and walk away and take their ball and go home and whatever they want, the problem is we're teaching our kids that it's easy to walk away. We're creating an opportunity for them to have a habit of walking away from things. And eventually, as they get older, they're going to walk away from the marriage. They're going to walk away from their kids. They're going to walk away from their career and their callings. Why? Because we've let them walk away from everything their whole life. Uh, I'm a little bit in between, you know, my, my, my grandpa and, and, and my parents, you know, they were of the old school of like, don't ever cry, you know, don't ever, just really tough kind of upbringing. But now I'm over here where, you know, you talk to all these people, everything's a helicopter, everybody's got to be careful, helicopter parents, you got to make everything. I think we need to find the middle. Some kids got to stick to some things nowadays, right? We got to see some kids follow through on stuff, amen? So we can't, we, we just got to develop a, a, a we're not going to quit. And the reality is, as parents, is a lot of times quitting is the same as compromising. Your kids need to see you hold firm to some values. You want me to say that again? Your kids need to see you hold firm to some values. You can't be gossiping and lying and cussing and compromising and living like the world. And then all of a sudden, when they get a girlfriend, you come telling them about holy, righteous, purity standards quiet in this Lutheran church today. <laughs> we, we, we got to have some standards that we have as an example. We keep quitting and compromising and, and, and just being whatever we feel like whenever we feel like it. We, we've got to show some standard and stick to it. Um, yeah. I was going to say something, but I better not because we're online. It's all good. It wasn't nothing bad. So we got to stick, stick to it. And then number two, uh, another one is this. Number two, this is our antidote to the, to the camping, is we need to say no to the plateau. Say no to the plateau. Proverbs 132 says this, For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. Fools are destroyed by camping. That camping mentality that, hey, this is good enough. I like this view from here. I'm going to just stay here. That, that complacency mentality of this is good enough. 
will be our undoing. You know, they say that 90% of businesses fail not because they weren't able or capable of being successful. It's just that they gave up too soon. They got into a place where they said, you know what, this is too hard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back down. I'm going to find something that's easier to do. And so they quit. This was amazing to me when I heard this stat. Do you know that over 60% of new products that actually boom and make it, these new found products, have actually been discussed or conversations by other companies that were already all put together and organized and had the ability to do them? They were just so complacent. They were like, nah, we don't want to go down that road. And some other little hungry person said, oh, we can do that. We can push that through. And then it pops. Because what happened to the other big mogul? They just got comfortable. It just got complacent. They said, ah, we don't want to go after all that. But the little hungry climber went after it, and it popped for them. Over 60% of new products that make it big had already been discussed by other big moguls. It's amazing. It happens to us in the church. We could go after something or reach somebody and say, ah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the way God's blessed me. Are you with me today? That's why we keep praying and worshiping and witnessing. Why? We keep going after it because God says without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to hit the mark with God if we don't walk in faith. And then my point three, this is our, this is our climbing, is we got to be a people who press on. You just have to stay after it. Sometimes it's hold on. It's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Well, sometimes it's like the best you can do is just hold on. And then sometimes it's march on because you got, you got a little passion about it. You're excited. You're feeling good about it. But sometimes you just keep pressing on. Philippians 3, 12. This is Paul in the New King James. Many of you have heard this. He says, not that I've already attained or that I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may hold hope for what Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I love this in the contemporary English. It's the one I want you to hear. Verse 12, he says this, I have not yet reached my goal and I am not perfect. But Christ has taken hold of me, so I keep running and struggling to take hold of the prize. He's admitting, like, this is hard. I'm not perfect. I haven't figured it all out. I'll close with this. I I haven't figured it all out. I haven't figured all the things out. But I'm running and I'm struggling. How many of you, if we were to ask you deep down, like, hey, how do you feel about your walk with God right now in this hour? And I'm running and I'm struggling. If we were honest, oh my gosh, like, how are we going to lead our kids to this in school? It's crazy. All the stuff that they have to face. How are we going to do this? Parenting, oh my gosh, in this hour, like, I'm running and I'm struggling. But you keep running and you keep struggling. Oh my gosh, I just don't know what the future is going to be with all these things and all this kind of stuff. What do you do? You keep running and you keep struggling. You keep ascending the mountain because God has a blessing on the top for you. You don't quit. You don't camp out. You just stay after it. Amen? Uh, I love this thought. You might have heard it before. If you haven't felt resistant, if you haven't felt the resistance of the enemy, it might be because you're headed in the same direction. It's just a fight that we're in. We're going to have a series coming up in September. That's why God said, put on the whole armor. Why would he use the picture of armor? Like he says every day, you put on the whole armor, win every day, not just Sunday, not just, you put on the whole armor. Why? Because we're in a war and we're fighting against something that's spiritual and you need to be prepared because we're in a war, but we have to keep ascending. We have to keep going after it because just attending is not enough. The enemy will pass out participation trophies all day long. Here's your spectators award, you know, and so, yeah, it's important. It matters to us. us. Amen. I want to give you the opportunity to pray a really powerful prayer. Why don't you all bow your heads and close your eyes? Facebook, this is for you too. However you may be, wherever you may be watching, YouTube, Vimeo, whatever, later. 
Um, if this moves on your heart, I want you to be a part of it. But if you're in this room today, say, man, Pastor Josh, I, I would love to, to be on this journey with God. I've never really thought about following God into what he has for me, the blessing on the mountaintop. I don't, I've never done that. Romans tells us what it looks like to begin to start a relationship with God. Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, that's Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation. It's the same thing. But what it is is it's your heart saying to God that, God, I'm choosing you to be my Lord and Savior. The scripture tells us that it gives us forgiveness of sin and it also gives us the ability to spend eternity with him. It's the purpose of the cross. It's literally the gospel message, why Jesus came and died so that you could find salvation in him and him alone. If you're in here and you say, man, pastor, count me in that prayer. I want to be a part of that. This room is actually full of people who prayed that prayer and could probably tell you the exact day they prayed it. And they say, oh, I remember that day I prayed that prayer. It changed my life. Maybe they came down an aisle or raised their hand or whatever it is. But they say, that changed my life forever. It didn't make them perfect and it didn't make their life perfect, but it forever changed them in a better way. I want you to have that opportunity today if you're in here. I'm not going to embarrass you and have you come forward or raise your hand or anything like that because the scripture tells us if you pray this prayer and mean it in your heart and say it with your mouth, then salvation begins for you. So all of us are going to pray this, this prayer out loud but if you mean it in your heart and you speak it out loud, I believe salvation is yours. So let's all pray this. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you sent your son Jesus and he died and rose again for me. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all give it up to them that prayed that prayer. Hey, we have a book that we'd like to give you if you prayed that prayer down in our prayer room, just down the hallway at the end of service. You can go down there and just tell the team that you prayed that prayer and they'll get you that book for free. Uh, if you prayed that prayer and you're online, you can text the word prayer to the number on our screen and it'll help us connect with you and uh, we can get you one of those books as well. Uh, if that's something you'd like. But good job on praying that. Truly, not just like a religious routine, but really a holy moment, life-changing encounter, I believe, for you. And um, so awesome stuff. We'd love to be along your side. For the rest of us, uh, all of us, really, I truly, I, I want you to consider, as you hear things this week, and as you read stuff, and people share things with you, I want it to click in the back of your mind. Oh, you know what? I'm going to hear these things, and I'm going to see these things. But it's not going to make me quit. It's not going to make me camp. It's going to make me climb even harder. Yeah. Well, I might get hurt. That's all right. We got stuff in the bag to take care of that. Yeah. Good, yeah. Oh, stuff might get broken. Stuff might not turn out that. We got stuff to fix that too. Yeah. But there is a blessing on the mountaintop that God wants you to walk in. Amen.